Hey there, this is Ben Sanders, lead pastor of Revelation. We are so honored that you've tuned in to our podcast today. Even if you're not a part of our Revelation family here in Frisco, Texas, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search for Revelation Frisco on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also go to revelationfrisco.church to get to know us a little bit better and even plan a visit. It is my prayer today that this message brings you one step closer to Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the world under the influence. Uh, How many understand we live in a world today that is filled with wickedness like we've never seen before? Uh, We live in a world that is uh, just going crazy under the influence of sin. It is intoxicated with with sin. And so we're going to uh, kind of dive into that today. Uh, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to open our minds and our hearts today to receive what his word has for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence that has already filled this room. Even before the service began, as our, our serve team was, was in the room and preparing for what would happen today, your, your presence met us here in our prayer time. And, and then during worship, your spirit has filled this room. I pray, God, that our hearts today would be fertile ground for what you want to speak and what you want to do. I I pray, God, that you would allow this word to to sink deep inside of us and to to walk the corridors of our heart, to sweep out the things that do not belong and to bring us into right standing with you today, to make us that holy bride that you are preparing, the pure and and holy and without spot, wrinkle, or blemish uh, as you prepare to return to this world to take us home. I pray, God, you would do that for us today. You would draw us close to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, today we're talking about a world under the influence. And and I chose that word because that's a very popular word right now in modern culture, influencers. Uh, if you, you think about, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, if you're 10 right now and you're thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? You're probably thinking, I want to be some kind of influencer. I want to be on YouTube. I want to be on Instagram. I want to be on TikTok. I want to be on something because that's what's popular right now. And the reason I know that is because I have a 10-year-old and that's what he told me that he wants to be. Okay. Then I'm like, well, son, let's Let's go to school and let's learn a skill uh, that will actually help people, okay? Because more than ever, we are surrounded by influencers. We are surrounded by voices that seek to conform us. We're, we're surrounded by voices that, that call themselves influencers. And they, they want us to buy this. And they, they want us to, to be afraid of that. And they, they call say, look at me. Uh, they, they lust after me, even. Uh, they they want to say, accept this and cancel that and speak your mind, but don't rock the boat. And, 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 uh, and so all the voices go. Uh, we're surrounded by this uh, maelstrom, if you will, this storm of influencers. And in the middle of that, our minds are affected. It, it affects our minds. How many understand that what goes into your mind doesn't stay in your mind? It, it, uh, either you will push it out of your mind or you will allow it to sink down into your mind and it will go deeper into who you are as a person. And so it's very, we must be very careful about the influences that we allow in our life. Someone once said this, sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed and reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. 
And I, I think that that is uh, an apt quote for today because I, I think that's what the Bible teaches. You know, the Bible teaches us that, that what we say and, and what we do is a result of what's inside of our heart. Not our physical heart, but our spiritual heart. What we say and what we do and how we interact with the world around us is a direct result of what is inside of our heart. Luke 6 and 45, this is what Jesus said. He said this, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. You see that? So there's a, there's a person, they say, well, that's a good person. And they're a good person because they have a good treasure. They have something good they're focused on. And, and out of his heart, they produce good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. How many understand that this is not just speaking about the words that come out of your mouth? A lot of times we just take it for that literal meaning of, well, uh, if, you're, if you're speaking evil things and you have an evil heart, and that's probably true, but it's not just what you say. When we talk about things that you say in the Bible, a lot of times it's not just the words that are coming out of your mouth, but what's coming out of your life. What, what message are you presenting with your life? What message are you presenting with your deeds? What message are you presenting with your face when people walk up and, and approach you and, and say things that you don't like? And, uh, or are they, you know, what, what's that? Well, that comes from what's in your heart. And, and so what we allow to influence our minds, eventually, if we allow it to stay in our minds, will shape our heart. And our heart will then produce the results of what we have allowed into it. I want to take a walk today through um, a, a good chunk of the first chapter of the book of Romans because I, I think that this shows us actually how sin shapes a life. And, and it will give us some insight as to how the world, or well, why the world is the way it is today and how it got that way. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And, and again, we're, this is, this is a, a downward spiral of a sinful person, how it starts and how it ends. And here we go. Revelation chapter, or Revelation, Romans chapter 1. We'll get to Revelation later. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says this, the wrath of God. Now, we are, well, we just already started off on, on, a, uh, on a tough note there, right? The wrath of God. I know you probably didn't walk into church today to hear about the wrath of God, but there you go. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. I want you to hold on to that thought right there. Uh, there, there are ungodly and unrighteous voices that they want to suppress the truth. The spirit of the world does not want you to know the truth about the spirit of the world. Does not want you to know the truth. They suppress the truth with a lie. And I need you to understand that today because uh, we, we can be influenced by nothing but lies. And so we, we understand that uh, this is uh, a warning to us today that there are those out there that would seek to influence us through their unrighteousness, through their ungodliness, and suppress the truth. Uh, and then it says this, verse 19, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Oh, wow. So the people that choose to be unrighteous, 
Uh, they, they choose to be that way. Uh, it should be that God is plain to them but because he's shown it to them. It says his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. It should be obvious that there is a God who created everything. It should be obvious that, that something doesn't come from nothing. Uh, that is, that's just that's basic science. You want to follow the science? There you go. Uh, things don't just spring out of nothing and then appear. No, it has to start from somewhere. And so what you, you say, well, I believe that there was a, a big burst of energy and everything. Well, where did the energy come from? Right? And so if you keep walking your way back, eventually you're going to have to get to something that's always been there that caused everything to be, and that something is God. You can call it energy, you can call it fate, you can call it whatever, but you're talking about God. When you get down to the root cause of, of everything, uh, you're talking about something or some being that, that caused everything to be. It should be obvious, but yet we, we don't want to accept that necessarily. We do in the room, but I'm talking about we as humanity. Verse 21 says, although they knew God, although they understood that it should be plain, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Instead, they became futile in their thinking. I told you the truth. They want to suppress the truth. The truth is they're futile in their thinking. The spirit of the world is, is a spirit of futility. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Where there should be light, there was darkness. The things of the world are dark and foreboding. You go deep in the world, you get darker. When you dig deep inside of yourself in the world, you go into a dark place. Well, the spirit of God is light and revelation and, and hope and, and a future. The spirit of the world is futility and darkness. And in claiming to be wise, they became fools. And in their pursuit of all the knowledge outside of God, of all the different ways that we could have gotten here, of all the reasons that we could exist, uh, let's come up with any other reason except God. And in, in so doing, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. A people, and again, this is written to the Roman church, written in the, in the Roman Empire. Okay, And you, you know through history how uh, much debauchery and, and evil was in the Roman Empire. This is the, written to Christians in the middle of all of that. And, and they lived in, a, in, a city, in cities that were filled with idolatry, idol worship. There were gods for, for everything. They, they made uh, gods that looked like people. They made uh, gods that looked like men and women, birds and animals, creeping things. Uh, these were false gods created from, from the imaginations of men and women. Uh, basically, if they des- whatever they desired... Whatever they thought that would make a good God, they made a God to represent that. Uh, If they wanted to go to war, they made up a God that would give them justification to go to war and gave it a name and made a carving out of it. Uh, If they they wanted to fall in love, they needed somebody to pray to, they made a God that represented the kind of love they wanted to have. If if they wanted to know, uh, if they wanted to know there was going to be a a good crop that came in this year, they would create a God uh, that was over the farming industry and agriculture. If, if they wanted to have good weather, they had a God for the weather. Whatever their imagination would, would cause them to want to desire, they would create a God to represent that. So in reality, the idols that the Roman Empire and all the other heathens were worshiping were actually products of their imagination. They were worshiping their own imaginations. They were worshiping their own desires. They weren't worshiping a God that had revealed himself to them and said, I am that I am. 
I am the one that has created all things. No, they were worshiping gods that they themselves had created. They were worshiping their own self. Well, we live in a world today that is not filled with idols on every corner. You, you don't find a, a temple to the goddess Aphrodite, and you don't find a temple to Zeus, and you don't, find, you know, you don't see these kinds of things. And on, on Valentine's Day that's coming up here next week, guys, get ready. You better get your gifts and you get your cards written, okay? Uh, and get your flowers and your candy and whatever it is that your lady likes. Uh, but uh, we, don't, we don't pray to Cupid, okay, to go and, and she, we, we, we make mockery of that. We draw, we draw little Cupids and those kinds of things. We don't, we don't pray to Cupid. We don't pray to the God of, of love or anything like that. But that's what they did back then. But this world is filled with idolatry because what has happened is instead of taking our imaginations and carving false gods and building temples to those, uh, we've just gotten rid of those altogether and just went straight to worship in ourselves. That's what we've done. We, we live in a world that is uh, idolatrous because it worships itself. It, it, it creates a false god, false gods uh, out of the, the creation rather than the creator. Look at verse 24. Therefore God, because, because this is how they dishonored him, because they did not acknowledge him, because they allowed themselves to become fools and dark-minded uh, dark and blind, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. He gave them up to exactly what they wanted. Whatever your appetite is, I'm just going to turn you over to that. Chase your appetites. Do whatever it is you want to do. That's your false God. Go for it. He turned them over to that. And, and they began to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth. Remember, we talked about the truth. They exchanged the truth about God, who is a God of order and a God of, of process and, and a God that, that brings things together and, and shows things in light and gives a hope and a purpose and a meaning. They exchanged that truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, verse 26 says, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. The women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. This is the nice way to say it. Women begin to chase women instead of men. Men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. I don't know if, this, I don't know if you recognize anything from this scripture that might be happening in the world today, but this is the picture of our society today. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, a, a deluded mind, a delusion that everything's okay, a delusion that everything goes. You can just do whatever you want to do. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Now, this is, this, is the next, this is the next step. This is what happens when, when the mind becomes deluded. And again, I'm speaking of the world as a whole. When the mind becomes deluded, chasing after these false gods, living in darkness, the, the result is unrighteousness, evil, covetousness. I want what everybody else has. Malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. I mean, it just gets worse. I mean, whatever we're doing now is bad. Let's just invent some more. Disobedient to their parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And if you don't think that's our world today, just get on Twitter and read the feed. 
and you will see plenty of it. People hate themselves and they hate each other. Though they know God's righteous decree, those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Approve, they approve it. Like, oh yeah, we'll accept you if you do these things. But what, this, what the world wants is completely contrary. It's totally opposite to the Spirit of God. I don't know if you can tell that by uh, the manner of preaching that I'm giving you today in the in the. Uh, the passage of Scripture that we just read, but what the world wants is completely contrary, totally opposite to the Spirit of God. It's so opposite that it's actually opposed to. Yes, the Spirit of the world is opposition to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the world is not your friend. It is your opposition. The Spirit of the world is not your friend. It does not tell you the truth. It is, in fact, your enemy. It's the enemy of you. It's the enemy of your kids. It's the enemy of society. It's the enemy of God. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. Very uplifting. But the world can't tell you the truth because its way is actually destructive to life. And it can't tell you that or you wouldn't do it. Uh, the, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says that the spirit, or the, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers, shrouded them in darkness so they, they can't even see what they're really doing. They're just stumbling and fumbling their way Chasing only their appetites. They, they, don't, they can't see where they're going. They just are, where do I want to go? I want to go this way. I want to go that way. And they stumble to their death. They're intoxicated with the spirit of the world and with sin. The world can't tell you the truth. But I'm going to tell you the truth today. Uh, and you'll see it in, in all facets of our society. You'll, you'll see advertisements on television for, you know, Beer and hard liquor, this kind of thing. You'll see people uh, having a good time. They're all pretty people. They're all physically fit people, attractive, and they're having the time of their lives. The music is going, and they're just, I mean, it's, everybody wants to be there. I, you watch it and think, wow, I mean, who wouldn't want to be there? Look at all the pretty people. Look at all the fun they're having. And, of course, it's all revolving around this idea of drunkenness. Drink up. But what they don't show you is the drunkard of a man laying in the gutter outside the club, passed out, laying in his own vomit. You don't, they don't show you that. They don't show you the woman waking up the next morning with a massive headache, not quite sure of where she is, not quite sure of where her clothes are, not quite sure of whose bed she's in. They don't show you that. They don't show you the look of shock and fear on the patient's face when the doctor says, oh, you have cirrhosis of the liver and your life has been shortened because of the choices you have made. They don't show you the little kids cowering under their blankets in their bed hoping that daddy doesn't come in the room because he's a different person when he's drinking. They don't show you the lost jobs. They don't show you the broken marriages. And they sure don't show you the 28 funerals that happen every single day because of drunk driving. They don't do that. Instead, they'll show you all the fun and the glitz and the glamour, and they'll say at the fine print below, drink responsibly. I'm telling you the truth today. The world is lying to you. The world is a wicked place, and it is lying to you. The world revels in hypersexualization and objectification of women, and they call it empowering. 
Think on that. They call it empowered when a woman is hypersexualized and when a, through the, what she's wearing and what she's performing and what she's singing and what she's doing. They call that, oh, look how empowered she is. And if a child is, is, is sexualized in the same way through the clothes they wear or the songs they sing and the performance they do, they call it cute. The spirit of the world will tell your children that they can have safe sex and that if somehow a mistake is made and, and life is conceived, that it's perfectly healthy to destroy that life through abortion. Never preparing them for the physical, psychological, and spiritual trauma that occurs after that. It, the spirit of the world gives an approving nod to pornography and never once acknowledge the damage that it does to relationships through failed expectations that come from fantasy. Nor will it call attention to the mental and moral decay that addiction causes, the physical damage that it causes in the brain, the depression, the desensitizing, the increased chance of infidelity, the anger, the increased need to see ever greater perversion to get that dopamine hit. They won't show you that. It'll tell you that you can cohabitate with, with someone living in fornication. We're going to move in together, live together as a trial run for maybe a possible marriage without ever understanding the consequence of becoming one flesh. Never understanding the spiritual consequences and never telling you that if you actually do that, the chances of you divorcing later are actually greatly increased. Oh, don't worry about divorce. Marriage is just a contract. It's just a piece of paper, so don't worry about that. Don't worry about divorce. Divorce is perfectly normal. Never mind the damage that it does to kids and every relationship that comes after. And there's people in this room that can attest to that, and you know how destructive that is. But the world doesn't tell you that. It'll tell you that you should, produce, that you should, that you should follow and pursue after wealth at any cost. You have to drive the nicest cars. You have to wear the finest clothes to be accepted. Uh, there no mention whatsoever of broken families and, and the utter loneliness that comes from not being able to trust anybody because you've got all this money and you're not sure who's after you for the money, who's after you because of you. The world will tell you that you can be anything you want to be. You can even change your gender if you want. It's just a societal construct. It's just something that you just, you know, want to, if you want to change it every day, you can do that. In fact, if you have any kind of fetish whatsoever, if you'll just come out, quote unquote, you can be free and be accepted. Not to mention the fact, and they never do, that uh, once a person, quote unquote, comes out, within five years, 60% of them will attempt suicide. For those that, that live with, with those labels they put upon themselves, there's a four times percent chance greater that they will kill themselves and remove themselves from this world. Almost one-third of the youth aged 13 to 24 have attempted suicide once they've come out to freedom. Why oh, doesn't sound free? They won't tell you that. It's darkness. It's lies. And the Bible says to do what I'm doing today, expose evil. And all across social media, uh, the, the citizens of this digital world continue to congratulate and approve and encourage one another to continue living in the lies. It's like a giant echo chamber of wickedness. And you don't even want to know what's coming. You don't even want to know what's going to be acceptable next. It's not good. It's only worse. 
The spirit of the world is not your friend. The spirit of the world is, in fact, your enemy. Now, I'm not talking just to Christians today. I know that people in this room, you're, you're believers. Watching online, you're probably a believer. But I'm not talk- and if you are, I'm not talking just to you. I'm, I'm talking to humanity as a whole. Maybe you're watching today and you're not a believer. I'm talking to you as well. That what you have believed is a lie. And it's destructive. It will cost you everything that you thought you were going to gain. Sin, sin is disruptive, it is chaotic, it's deadly, and it's after all of us. But, thank God, you don't have to perish. You don't have to be lost. Your soul doesn't have to be destroyed. Your life doesn't have to remain the way that it is. Because we see it in John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He said, for God so loved the world. He loved the world with all of its wickedness and all. Yes, he doesn't love the wickedness, but he loves the world. He loves you just in the state that you're in. Yes, he does. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. And if you'd believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you could have eternal life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. The world wants to lie so you can be destroyed. Jesus wants to tell you the truth, however uncomfortable it may be, so that you can be saved. One is a way of destruction. The other is the way of love. And that's why in Romans 12 and 2, we see the admonition to the church. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's two very important words that are very different. You see, the world wants to conform you. They use peer pressure. They use cancel culture. They want to make the cost too high to oppose them. And they they want to force you into the mold of whatever they are. But God wants to transform us. The world wants to crush the life that we want out of us so that you can fit its whims. But God wants to bring something to life inside of you that is new and, and amazing, springing up from inside of you. It's a very different thing. The way of the world is perishing and destruction, but Jesus can change all of that. So there's hope for you today. If you've been living in sin, if you found yourself entangled in sin, if you found yourself caught up in the lies, and now you're, you begin to see the truth, and you go, wow, I've got tears in my eyes, my heart feels a little heavy, you, don't, you, can, you can be filled with joy today because you can turn to God, and, and He can begin to turn that all around. You can begin to walk in light instead of darkness today. That can be you. Or maybe you find yourself, you know, I'm part of the church I'm, I'm trying to be a believer, and yet I'm, I'm still influenced by all these things around me. What, what do I do? Because the church must exist in this world. For a little while yet, the church must exist in this world. And, and we must remain holy and pure. So how can we resist the influence of the world? How can we uh, push back against the influencers around us? When we live in a world that is under the influence, intoxicated with with sin, how can we, the church, stay pure and holy before God? I have three thoughts for you today. And the first one is this. Isolation is not insulation. I'll say it again so you you write it down. Isolation is not insulation. Our, Our first Our first way to respond to anything we don't like is to recoil and to run away. 
And we say, oh, I'm in the church and I'm in the world. So if I'm going to stay holy and pure, I've got to remove myself from the world. And I've got to go live in like a different community where it's all just Christians hanging out together. And we're just going to be pure and holy to God and not have anything to do with the world. And that is not the answer. Isolation is not insulation. No, Hebrews 12 and 14 says this, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. It's, it's, it's two things at one time there. Strive for peace with everyone. How are you going to strive for peace with everyone if you're not in the middle of everyone? And at the same time, we also have to strive for holiness. Striving. I'm striving for peace. I'm in the world, and I'm striving for holiness. I'm trying to stay pure. That's what we're actually called to do. Without the purity, without the holiness, we cannot see the Lord. And so we must insulate ourselves from the world's influence because we can't isolate ourselves. Because we have to insulate ourselves because the church cannot allow a spirit of worldliness to influence our hearts. We cannot allow a spirit of worldliness to, to get inside of our church. We cannot allow a spirit of worldliness to, to choke out the holy things that God wants to do in us and through us. And so that leads me to my second thought, and that is that we must learn to make holy choices. Holy choices. We're, we're not going to be like the world just running after our appetites, blindly following whatever it is that we want. It feels good, so we do it. Oh, you'd be surprised how many church people do that. Say, so, wow, that, that, that activity that I, that I see you engage in looks a little, what they say today, sus. Short for suspect. Yeah, it looks. That looks a little. I don't know. If, I don't know if you're quite. That doesn't really look like something a Christian should do. And the truth of the matter is, they never really thought about it. They just wanted to do it, so they did. They didn't make a choice. They just followed their appetite. Followed their comfort. And the Bible says that in First Thessalonians five twenty two to abstain from every form of evil. Uh, form means the appearance of. Every appearance of evil, anything that even looks like it might be evil, to yeah. abstain from that, to stay away from that. You say, well, I don't see a problem with it. The Bible also says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. There's a, there's a little song that we used to sing back in the days of Sunday school. And uh, that was you know, Sunday school, for those of you who don't know, is when the little kids went uh, before church ever started. The adults had Sunday school where they had a Bible study before church. And the kids went to Sunday school, and then everybody got together for church after that. So there was a lot of preaching and teaching going on that day. No, we can't handle that today, so we don't do that anymore. If I had Sunday school, nobody would show up, okay, because we were all influenced by the world. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> Sorry, that's not even in my notes. I just kind of went off on a tangent there. We used to have a little song that we sang in, in Sunday school. It went something like this. See if you know it. It says this, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You do your, your eye. Yeah. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then he would say, be careful, little lips, what you say. Yeah. Or be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little minds, what you think. See, from an early age, trying to teach us to make holy choices. Be careful, because there's an enemy out there trying to destroy you. 
Ephesians 5 and 8 says this, at one time you were darkness. All those things that I talked about, all of us were there at some point. You were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. If you're a child of light, don't walk like you're in the dark. Look at verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's the way that we're making our holy choices. We're trying to discern. We're trying to figure out what is pleasing to God. And so that means that when I sit down to entertain myself, what TV show am I going to watch? What movie am I going to watch? What song am I going to listen to? I'm, going, I'm thinking also to myself, is this pleasing to the Lord? Oh, there's some junk that we pour into our minds that if we're not careful, it will make its way to our heart. And we'll be so, we'll just be so callous, so desensitized. We can't hear from God. I'm sorry, that's coming across stronger than what I intended to be. I was trying to be loving today, but my goodness. Discern, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. When I, when I get dressed in the morning and I put on my clothes and I'm, and I'm looking in the mirror, I'm going to think, is this pleasing to God? Wow. Is this, is this pleasing to the Lord? Or am I just pleasing myself or trying to please somebody else? When I get ready to participate in indulgences, what are that? Maybe that's food, maybe that's drink, maybe that's whatever. Is this pleasing to the Lord? When I get on social media and I'm, and I'm choosing who I'm going to follow and what I'm going to like and what I'm going to say, is this pleasing to the Lord? I'm, am I discerning that in my, in my walk every day with God because I'm, I'm a child of light? And if we get this, it changes everything. This world, this world wants to entangle us. It wants to ensnare us. It wants to choke out the life and the light that God wants to put in us and shine from us. We have to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And to help us do that, my final thought for you today is this. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the help of the Lord. You can't do it by yourself. If you do it by yourself, you'll end up right where you are because that's how you got there. We have to discern what is pleasing to God, and it's not what's pleasing to us all the time. So I need the Holy Spirit to help me figure that out. Uh, this is what John Owen said. He was a Puritan. I don't know. I'm not saying we all need to be Puritans, okay? But the Puritans were known for their purity. This is what he said. Fighting sin with human strength will only produce self-righteousness. We don't want that. Superstition. We don't want that. And anxiety of conscience. We don't want that. So we're not going to fight sin with our own human strength. No, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray this prayer that's found in Psalm chapter 139. It says this, search me, O God. That's a dangerous prayer to your flesh. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see, I want you to see God. Wow, God, I don't want to live in darkness. I need you to see. I want you to get down inside every corner, every nook and cranny of my heart and see if there's anything that's grievous in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I need you to lead me in the way that leads to life. And he will do it, not through a spirit of condemnation, but a spirit of conviction. And you know the difference. We don't like either one. Condemnation tells you you're lost and there's no way out. So you don't even need to try. Conviction says, well, you did that wrong, but you can do it right. That's how you know the difference between them. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's working on you. And so we are 
as a church, we're out to influence the world. I'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But in order to influence the world, in order to be insulated against the world and be able to do what we're called to do as a church, we must be purified. We got to be like Isaiah in, in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the Lord. I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train temple. And I saw all of his glory. And the first thing Isaiah does in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, Woe is me! I am unclean. And I live in the middle of people who are unclean. I, I'm, I, do, I do love God, but I've been ensnared by the uncleanliness of the world. And woe is me! I, I can't see this holy thing. And an angel comes to him with a burning coal from the altar of God and puts it on his lips and says, Now you're purified. And the next thing that happens is, God says, now who can go for us? Who will I send? And Isaiah goes, send me. Send me. I'm ready. I'm ready to walk as a child of light. I'm ready to bring the revelation of who God is. I'm ready to do it. First, we got to be purified. So let this be our cry today. Let this be our prayer today. Seek me out. Search inside of me. Find anything that's grievous in me. I, in the presence of God, I, my soul cries out, woe is me. Hey, you felt that today as I, as I was preaching about the, the lies that the world tells and the evil that is in the world. And, and, you, and you feel that the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and, you're, and that's your soul saying, woe is me. I'm in a holy place. I'm in front of a holy God. And I, don't, I don't need to be here. What's going on? I don't deserve this. God says, I can make you clean and I can send you out. You can turn back to God today if you've been far from him. This can be your moment. Let's stand in the house.